Good evening. Oh. Welcome to Tuesday evening chapel. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is our privilege to have with us this week Reverend Mark Fuller. He is the senior pastor of the Grove City Church of the Nazarene in Grove City, Ohio. He is here um, to minister the word to us. He is here in particular uh, to serve as this year's T.W. Willingham Preacher of the Year. Anybody recognize the last name Willingham? Okay, that's what I thought. He's been gone a while. T.W. Willingham, to use a theological phrase, was a rip snorter. He could use, he was used by God to, to set people straight and to line them up and to clean them up um, probably as quick as anybody that I know. He was instrumental uh, in the church, of the, in the formation of the church in Nazarene. His family wanted to continue his legacy and so they've underwritten uh, this preaching series. And so every year we invite um, folks from our folks from across the country to uh, come and fill the pulpit in honor of him and also in order to extend his his legacy in order to extend his ministry so Reverend Mark Fuller is the person who will uh, serve that way in this year uh, inside the folder that you should have uh, on the left hand side is all the information or at least um, some of the information that will help introduce Reverend Fuller to you uh, you will get to know him through his ministry of the word and so I won't take time to unpack that now. We love you because you first loved us. You made it possible for us to respond. We give you praise. We give you thanks for all the ways that you work in our lives, for the ways that we see and for the ways that we don't, for the ways that we acknowledge, for the ways that we walk on by. But we want you to know in a new and a fresh and real way that we love you. Thank you for loving us and making it possible for us to respond. And now we pray that your spirit would continue to speak to our hearts through the message. We want to be more like you, more equipped to serve you as a result of our time together around your word through the preacher and our brother. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. The Lord is here tonight. Aren't you glad he showed up? If he doesn't show up, we might as well not show up. Just a bunch of going through the motions. But I'm so honored, so blessed, so humbled to be here. And uh, I, you know, trying to uh, follow in the tradition of uh, Dr. Willingham is uh, something far beyond my wildest imagination. He is a great leader in our church, a great a preacher of the word. So I'm, I'm just here to follow in his steps and I'm so grateful to your president. Uh, Harold Graves is a personal friend of mine for the invitation to be here. Uh, I wish I could have been here last weekend for the inauguration. I heard it was just a high time. I'll tell you, these are great days for Nazarene Bible College and you have tremendous leadership and I'm excited uh, with you and for you about that. I had the privilege of serving for four years on the board of trustees here and it just felt like good old times again walking on the campus. So uh, uh, I, I want to talk to you uh, this week from Pastor Moses. Leadership lessons from Pastor Moses. And uh, tonight we're going to look at how a pastor 
uh, works with and, and leads his people or her people. When I use the word his, it's in the generic sense, ladies. So, uh, And then tomorrow morning, I'm going to take a little bit of departure from that and talk about an incredible, wonderful partnership that God has uh, effected here between the Nazarene Bible College and Grove City Church of the Nazarene. I'm very excited about that and going to be sharing some of that exciting partnership together. Tomorrow night we'll pick up Pastor Moses again and look at the pastor and the ministry. The ministry God has called us to and what that really should be to be an effective pastor in pastoral leadership. And then the last night uh, we'll look at the pastor and his or her opposition. Yes, that does happen sometimes and the way we respond to that can make us or break us in ministry. So, take your Old Testament, let's turn to the book of Exodus together, get right into the word and our scriptural framework will be from Exodus chapter 32. When we're talking about pastoring people, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's all kinds of people out there and uh, when you uh, go to a local assignment, uh, you're going to be amazed at the, 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 the kind of people that God brings across your path. I, I had the privilege of serving uh, uh, at uh, Olathe College Church while I was in seminary and shortly after that with, under Dr. Paul Cunningham. It was a great experience for me. I left that great church, went to pastor a church of 60 people and uh, I was so excited to you know, be pastoring of my very first church and I, I remember my first day in my office and I'm just overwhelmed by all this, you know. And the secretary called and said, uh, a Pastor, uh, a Sam is here. He'd like, to, he'd like to talk with you. My first parishioner, you know, my first counseling engagement. You know, she said, Sam used to always stop by and see the pastor. So I'll invite Sam in. So, so uh, Sam came and sat down. And I'm just kind of making conversation, you know. This is my first time. I'm just so excited, exhilarated about being a pastor and that pastoral role. And I, you know, I'm just talking to Sam and found out that Sam uh, had lost his job and was looking for a job. I said, well, Sam, you know, if, if you could do anything for a living, what would that be? Sam kind of wrinkled his brow and put his hand on his chin and said, kiss movie stars. <laughs> I said, okay. Welcome to pastoral ministry. Well, you know, Sam uh, did get saved, though. Praise the Lord. Sam got saved. He was one of my first baptismal candidates. And I had the, I had the, uh, the forethought of, of putting him last. Sam's about six foot four, over 300 pounds. And they never taught me how to baptize somebody that big in baptismal class, okay? It's one of those, you know, typical, uh, you know, uh, baptistries in a Nazarene church, the fiberglass baptistry, you know, the cross above it, you know, and uh, the little greenery out in front, okay? So, uh, you know about that one, don't you, Dr. Graves? Uh, yes, and, and so that, that was typical 70s uh, kind of uh, setting for baptismal services. But I told Sam, I said, now Sam, you just keep your feet right on the bottom and bend at the knees, and I'll do the rest, okay? So, okay, okay, bending the knees, okay, okay. So, uh, you know, he's, he's all set. I get him down there, and I get Sam down, and sure enough, as soon as I get him under the water, he goes horizontal on me. <laughs> so now I got 300 pounds 
of man, I got to get up. And, and so I'm struggling a little bit, you know. And he senses my struggle, then he panics, okay. So the people are sitting out there, you know, they see me take Sam down. And all of a sudden they hear this thump, 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 you know, Sam, he's trying to get out. All of a sudden he comes out of there, and he's grabbing greenery, and he's, you know. I just said, folks, you're dismissed, you know. What can I do after that? Pastoring people, I mean, it's just, you, you run into all kinds of stuff, pastoring people. Well, same with Moses. I mean, he had quite a crew. It's kind of a love-hate relationship, you know. You love the people, but you hate the things that they do sometimes. That sure is insight into what Moses is, is dealing with right here. Exodus chapter 32, God has delivered his people out of Egyptian bondage. He's, he's uh, done powerful signs to bring them through the Red Sea and, and to feed them and to give them water and to take care of them. And they're heading to the promised land. It's just, a, I mean, a, over a million people traversing through the desert. And God's leading them with a, a pillar of, of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It's just amazing what's going on. Great anticipation for, uh, you know, moving into the promised land. Things are great. So, Pastor Moses... It's time for a, his prayer retreat. So he goes on a 40-day prayer retreat up on the mountain uh, with God. And during that retreat, where he's really getting close with God, hearing from, you know, God, and it's just wonderful, all hell's breaking loose down there with, with God's people. It's like they've forgotten everything about God, everything that Moses taught them, everything that had happened to them. And they're just partying hardy down there, okay? It's a terrible situation. They were a sinful, fickle, shallow people. Just like us. <laughs> Just like the people we're called to pastor. So, let's pick up chapter 32. And verse 7, and this, this section in here is really, I mean, it's, a, it's an intimate relationship between a pastor and his God. I want you to see it that way. The Lord is speaking to Moses. Verse 7, quick. Go down the mountain, Moses. The people you brought from Egypt have defiled themselves. They have already turned from the way I commanded them to live. They have made an idol shaped like a calf. They have worshipped and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my anger can blaze against them and destroy them all. Let me stop right there. I want you to write this in if you've got your... This is God's incredible offer, okay? Here's a scene. God knows what's going on. You can't hide anything from Him. And He's, he's got Moses right there, and He makes him this incredible offer. He says, I'll tell you what, Moses. I'm going to destroy all these people. Look at the next phrase. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation instead of them. Now, it's amazing to me, you know, what's going on here. God is saying to Moses, Moses, I know these are my chosen people, but I've had it up to here with them. I've had it up to here with them. I'm ready just to wipe them out. I'll tell you what, Moses, you know, you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to pastor that tough old first church any, anymore. You just go down the street. I'll just wipe that route out and we'll start over with you and we'll do a brand new thing down the road. I mean, God's, God's getting rid of the problem people. What a great, is God's idea. Pretty good deal, huh? 
Reminded me of uh, uh, Dr. Holland London. You know H.B. London here at, at, at uh, Focus on the Family. His father was a, a pastor and evangelist in our church for a number of years. We always used to have him come when I pastored in, in Arizona every year before he passed on. Uh, and he'd always tell the same stories every year, but we didn't care. He was just great. To, great he's just a great communicator. He told a story once. Maybe you've heard this about a church he pastored. Uh, Aunt Mary was the church boss. Now, Aunt Mary had had every job in the church, you can imagine. She, did, she had done it all. And, uh, and she also, that wouldn't have been so bad, but she was the most cantankerous, mean-spirited, controlling person you'd ever met. And so, Pastor London tried, tried working with her, you know, but he, she, you know, it, was, it was her way or the highway. So then he changed his praying. He said, well, I'm not going to, you know, I, I can't get her, Lord, I can't get her to change. And so I, I started praying, well, Lord, you just, you just take her home. <laughs> just take her. <laughs> and I kept praying that way, Lord. And, and I, you know, he said, and I, I quit praying that way because I figured God didn't want her any more than I wanted her. <laughs> so I quit praying that way. So I said, well, you know, Aunt Mary's got to go. I mean, she is just stifling everything that God wants to do here in this church. I've got to fire Aunt Mary. And so he said, I called one of my board members and I said, you know, it's enough. I mean, I've got to fire her. He said, Pastor, you cannot do that. Aunt Mary has so much influence. If you fire her, half the church will leave. Well, he said, I've got to do it. So he went in and said, Aunt Mary, you're fired. And he says, you know what? I stand here today to tell you, Dr. London said, we didn't lose half the church. In fact, we only lost one family, and it was the smallest family in the church. My wife, my son, and myself. <laughs> Some of you understand how that goes there. Well, God's going to remove the church boss and keep the pastor here, okay? I mean, this is a great idea. God's incredible offer. Look at Moses' immediate response. I mean, he doesn't hesitate. Verse 11. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, not to do it. Oh, Lord, exclaimed. Now, look at, notice this. In, in verse 11 and 12, where his, 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 his passions are, the motivation of this great pastor's heart. He says, oh, Lord, why are you so angry with your own people? Notice the, earlier that the Lord says, these are the people you let out of Egypt. Moses says, no. God, these are your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and mighty acts. Why are you so angry? The Egyptians will say God tricked them into coming to the mountain so he could kill them and wipe them from the face of the earth. Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you're planning against your people. Write this in. Moses was more concerned for God's people than he was for himself. He was more concerned about the people of God than he was his own, his own needs, his own concerns. And notice in verse 13, God's concern, he was concerned more for God's reputation than his own reputation. Look at this. Remember your covenant with your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven. Yes, I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. Lord, you can't do this. Your reputation's on the line. So look what happens. So the Lord withdrew his threat and didn't bring against his people the disaster he had threatened. You know, I, I want you to put yourself in Moses' sandals for a minute. 
This is the offer of a lifetime. He gets to get rid of the people that are giving him problems all the time. This, this, you know, pesky flies all the time. These problem people. He gets an opportunity to, to, to walk away from that, do a new thing with God, but he says, no, that's not the way, that's not, the, you know, that's not what I'm out, about, Father. I, I, I want, I'm more concerned about your people and your reputation than I am my own ego or my own career. When I, when I read that, I thought, you know, there is a crisis in the church today, especially the church in America and in the West. And I'm including myself in that. There's a crisis of leadership. And it's what I believe Jesus was talking about when he talked about the good shepherd. Let me read you those words from Jesus. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for who? For the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So he, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep. He runs away. He runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. My father, who uh, was a district superintendent for 32 years, pastor before that, he, in fact he was a former uh, uh, chairman of the board of uh, trustees here at Bible College. And he has joined me uh, on staff half the year. I can't get in there the whole year yet at Grove City. He's, he's not up for that, that, those cold Midwestern winters yet, but uh, they're coming back April 1. And last summer he was there and uh, visit, had, had lunch with him and, and Dr. Jordan, our, our district superintendent. And Dr. Jordan asked my dad a very, I thought, interesting question. He said, he said, Gene, do you see any difference between the pastors that are coming into the church now than when you first started as a DS over three decades ago? My dad didn't hesitate. He said, oh yeah, I see a big change. He said, what is that? He says, well, you know, back when I first became a district superintendent, the guys that seemed to come into the ministry, and they just had this hungry look in their eyes. They were willing to do whatever it takes. They were willing to make whatever sacrifices. They, just, they, were, just, they were just thrilled and blessed to have an opportunity to serve. They went into a community and just dug it out, whatever sacrifice that meant. He said, a lot of times today I hear, I hear, Men and women called in ministry talking about the sense of entitlement, like the church owes me something. You know, I've got to have this kind of package, and I've got to have this kind of setup, and I've got to have this perk, and I've got to have this, that, and the other. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, God, help us. We've got too many hirelings out there. We need more shepherds. Can you all help me now? We need shepherds. We need men and women who are willing to lay down their lives for the sheep. Counting the cost. It's not about my career. Is this going to advance my career? Is this going to stroke my ego? No. Is this God? Are these the people you have called me to be? Amen. And am I willing to lay my life on the line and stay through the tough times, even through the Aunt Marys, and see the kingdom grow? I believe if there were more shepherds, true shepherds in the pulpit, there'd be fewer insecure, rebellious sheep in the pew. Well, Moses goes back down from his 40-day prayer meeting, faces a mess. He's got to clean it up. I want to tell you, sin is messy business. When sin gets in the church, it's horrible. And it's bloody, messy, hard 
work. In fact, the cross, we do so much sanitizing the cross. It was bloody messy. Redemption is messy business. That's the cost of sin. And God deals with it. In fact, verse 26, God instructs Moses. He's, he stands in, and Moses stands at the entrance of the camps and he shouts, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come over here and join me. He comes, I want to know right now who's with the Lord. It's not about, is the Lord on my side? Come on now. Who's on the Lord's side? I want to know who's standing with the Lord. Camp divides. Now look at this. And all the Levites came. He told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, strap on your swords. Whew, this is strong stuff, y'all. Go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other, killing even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses and about 3,000 people died that day. Moses loved these people, but he hated sin. And his love for God and his love for them would not allow sin to remain in the camp. He knew that we could never be the people of God if we somehow winked at sin and didn't call it what it was and deal with it. And the consequences of sin are so, so tremendous. But here we see, after Moses goes back to talk with God about the people, he's dealt with the sin in the camp, he's come back to God, and here I believe is a leader's identifiable commitment right here. Verse 31. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, these people. Feel the emotion in this prayer. God, these people have committed a terrible sin. They've made gods of gold for themselves. But now please forgive their sin. And if not, if not, look at this, then blot me out of the record you're keeping. I want you to park on that verse. I want you just to think about what Moses is saying for a minute. God, th thanks for the offer. I really thank you, God, for the offer. But you see, I stand or fall with these people. Find in your heart, God, to forgive them. But if not, I die with them. Folks, that is the heart of a shepherd right there. That's a leader who knows what it's all about. And I believe, as I've, as I've reflected on this passage, I believe that God, this was just a test. God is a God of covenant promise. God is faithful to His Word. When He makes a commitment, He didn't back off on that. Have you found that to be true? He was not about to cut off his people. He's not that kind of God. Just read the book of Hosea. You'll find out the kind of God he is. He takes, takes a people who are whoring after other gods and he takes them back. He wasn't about to cut off his people. He was testing his leader. He wanted to know if Moses was the kind of leader that was going to take because he knew what lay ahead. He knew it'd be a lot of time to bail out. But he wanted to know if he had a leader who was committed to lay down his life for the sheep. 
I remember when I moved to uh, Arizona in 1987 to pastor the Crossroads Church of the Nazarene. And I honestly thought I'd be there about, you know, five, six, seven years and uh, kind of move on to the next place. That's kind of the way you do things in the Church of the Nazarene. At least, at least statistically, three and a half years or so, that's what it's been. So I figured, you know, that's, that's the way you do things. I've been there about four or five years and uh, God opened up a door of opportunity for relocation without going into all the details of it it was an amazing moving of God for this church there and I remember walking on that property it was I mean a, just a beautiful location right on major the major freeway in the, in the whole Phoenix area and uh, uh, just it was just, just beautiful and I remember walk in that land. I remember it was like it happened yesterday. I was saying, praying, God, work this out. Oh God, I'm claiming this land. I'm claiming this land, God. And I was, man, I was getting so excited, you know, about what all God was going to be doing. I could just see through the eye of faith and see with vision all these people coming to Christ and, in, and impacting this whole neighborhood and the greater Phoenix area. I could see it all. I'm just praying. I'm saying, oh God, he's putting all this vision in my heart. I said, God, do this for us. Do this for this church. It's like he stopped me midstream with that prayer. He said, Mark, I want to ask you a question. If I do this, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be, Mark? And I knew that God was testing me in that moment. I knew I had to make a decision whether it was my career climbing the ecclesiastical ladder whether I was willing just to plant my feet right there and say, God, I'm not here to pastor this church. I'm here to pastor this community. I'm here. I'm here for the long haul. And by the grace of God, he allowed me to stay there 18 wonderful years before he released me. And I'm an 18-year guy, I guess. <laughs> so I guess I'll be at Grove City 18 years, Lord willing. But the point I'm making is this. When the shepherd settles in, the sheep settle down. Amen. And what I'm saying to you men and women is, God's looking for shepherds who will lay down their lives for the sheep. Men and women, there are people God is calling you to. Some of them you don't even know. But he's looking in your heart. He's forming in your heart in these days as you, as you matriculate yourself with all this wonderful knowledge. And that's so necessary. But he's building in your heart, your character. Right. The heart of a shepherd. Will you pass the test? Will you pass the test? I want you to stand with me. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to ask... Uh, Chaplain Allen to come. And I want him to sing a song. And I know you've got classes to go to, but I just believe the Lord is here. He's speaking tonight. I know He is. Men and women, God has called you. Okay. Hey, as one who's been pastoring for some 30 years now, the church needs shepherds. Be 
a shepherd for God. That's right. Don't be a hireling. That's right. You got to die out to yourself. That's right. Maybe, maybe just tonight, you'd like to make this altar a place where you're going to maybe just renew that calling. Say, God, I remember when you placed your hand on me. Sure, there's more than one occasion when Moses went back to that burning bush. He said, oh, God. I don't know why you did this. I don't see it. But it's not what I can do for you. It's what I allow you to do in me. Do it, God. Amen. I'll provide the vessel. Amen. You provide the anointing. You provide the resource. You provide your spirit. So as Alan sings, two have already come. Just want to just spend some time with God. Let him frame in your heart, my friend, the heart of a shepherd. Jesus, help us right now. Give us obedience to you. Lord, I pray that every, every person here you've called would know your, your appointment, your anointing, God. You believe in them. You've, you didn't just settle for them. You chose them. You believe in them. Forgive us, Lord, when we, we get our focus off of you and on to our little comforts and our own needs and our own agendas. Forgive us, God. Strip us down tonight. Put in our hearts the heart of Moses, the heart of Jesus, the heart of the great shepherd. Yes. Come and pray as Alan sings now. I give all my service to you. Yes, Lord. I give all my service to you. No matter the cost or what for everyone here. I, I'm on that journey with them. After three decades, I, I am just still blown away. I'm so humbled, so incredibly humbled that you called me to be your messenger boy. To be under-shepherd of the flock. What a calling. What a high calling. Lord, in the midst of all stuff of ministry the craziness of this culture we live in oh so many messed up families and messed up lives but Jesus that's why you came not to make bad people good but to make dead people alive again 
That's the good news you've given us to be your herald of good news. May we proclaim it. May we live it. May a watching world see that we're in this thing with our very lives. Amen. There is no plan B in your book. We're it. So Lord, if you believe in us, forgive us when we won't believe in our, what you can do in us and through us. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you touch these who are kneeling here with a supernatural touch of your spirit. I pray, God, you would cleanse them to the very core of their being and take the fire of the anointing of God and fan that flame in their hearts, Lord. For all of us, Jesus, we just say we're yours. I give all that I am. Lord, make it more than just a song we sing in chapel. When the tough times come, when it's easy, the wolf comes. Some are running from the tough assignments. Lord, if you put it in our heart, you've called us. Help us to trust you. To stay the course. We're glad that you stayed the course, Jesus. Oh, we're so glad you stayed the course. Put that same spirit in us today. Spirit to finish strong. Yes, Lord. Finish well. And stay the course. And we'll be quick to give you all the glory. We may not see things turn the way we like them to or see the church grow the way we like it to, but you said, I will build my church. It'll grow the way you want it to grow. And Lord, we can leave that up to you. We just want to be focused on you growing us as your shepherds. And if we'll do that, you'll take care of the rest. So thank you, Lord, for these words today. You've spoken to us from Pastor Moses. What a great example. Take us from this place, but not from your holy, anointed presence. And all who prayed this prayer said, Amen, Amen, Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Stay and pray as long as you'd like to. I guess you're free to go. Thanks for coming to chapel.